0: Thank you for joining me today. We're going to be talking about how to keep triangulation from ruining your relationships. You can find extended information about this topic from my book, To Those Left Behind, in the chapter named Per Jimmy Dugan. We're going to be talking today about triangulation, what it is, and how it affects our interactions with other people. I'm going to explain triangulation through the use of an analogy. This analogy is going to be through the lens of riding a bicycle. I hope that everyone listening has at least ridden a bicycle or bare minimum has seen someone do it. It's pretty important to understand how this part works. So, relationships function like a bicycle. The bicycle will remain upright and moving on a few conditions. The first is that there are two wheels that move it forward. Now, those two wheels represent each person in this dyad, meaning just two people. This doesn't necessarily have to be a romantic relationship. It can be a friendship. It could be a parent-child relationship or anything else you can think of. Now, when those two people are able to move forward and remain connected, they meet the condition of the first way that a bicycle remains upright, which is forward momentum. I guess you can go backward and keep momentum. Look, the analogy isn't perfect here, so you're just gonna have to roll with it. Yeah, I I didn't mess up there. I left the pause so that you can absorb the dad joke that just came through. All right, back to our analogy. So these two people representing the wheels, as long as they are moving forward, the bicycle remains upright. What this represents are the two people each connecting and sharing with one another. It doesn't have to be this overtly open and emotional relationship where every single detail is shared. All bicycles are different. But in the very basic sense As long as two people are open to the capacity that is required, the bicycle remains upright. The cool thing about bicycles are that it takes a lot of energy to start, but not nearly as much to maintain. In healthy relationships, barring some kind of hiccup or major event, that's pretty much how they work. As long as each person in the dyad continues to be open and connected to whatever degree is required then the relationship remains stable and healthy. Now, a problem shows up when that bicycle wants to remain upright, but either one or both of the wheels refuses to move or is unable to move. At that point, the only other option for that bicycle to remain upright in the way that everybody would like is through a kickstand. Now, in our analogy here, A kickstand can be represented by plenty of things. My favorite example um, of kickstands comes from a very common interaction that we find in families. In parenting children, it's very common for triangles to appear. When each parent struggles with some form of connection or interaction, it can be common to use a child to balance things out. How do I know this? Well, two of my favorite examples that I've written in my book as well are this horrible, wonderful show called Toddlers and Tiaras. And if you have been blessed in not watching it, I do not recommend that you ruin your conception of humanity, but also travel baseball. So let me explain. In the show Toddlers and Tiaras, I'll give you a basic premise. It's adults paying $5,000 for a dress and outfit, spending $500 on travel for a $50 prize pool for their four-year-old. It is child pageantry at its finest and most odd. You can see a triangulation or the bicycle on a kickstand in this scenario, where the parents seem to have some sort of strife or distance, as it's seen throughout all the interviews, and the child is the focus of the family unit, even to the chagrin of possibly siblings. And so, in almost every case that I have seen in my terribly miserable time and wonderful time watching this show— it becomes very apparent that there's broken relationships that are attempting to be soothed by focusing on a child. Now, this is incredibly important to understand as children come off of their parents. They they grow and thrive on the information that's given to them. However, that's for another podcast at another time. You also see this sort of triangulation between parents and children in travel baseball. Now, Not against travel baseball. Used to play a little bit of baseball. It's great. Helps build character, all of those things. However, if you have not seen a travel baseball game, pretty much any sports event will do when it comes to children. Now, this is incredibly apparent when it comes to travel baseball and around the middle high school range. You can see triangulation on full display when parents of a child, lose their entire religion, they lose their entire sense of self on whether or not their child plays. I mean, heaven forbid their child get benched or the parents become unhinged and start screaming at a coach. In the same way that I watched those TV shows about child pageantry, there's the exact same assumption here where One or both of those wheels of the bicycle are refusing or unable to move, and so there's a kickstand needed in order for everyone to remain upright. From there, we can start to understand how these relationships develop. Let's take this triangulation into something that is actually useful, because triangulation isn't always bad. That kickstand that I've been talking about, The interesting thing is, is whenever that kickstand is present, the relationship is stable and together. But outside of important, meaningful relationships, kickstands might actually be necessary and incredibly useful. An easy example of a kickstand being useful is when I go through the drive-thru to get coffee. Now, the cashier and I, only have a relationship because of the kickstand? Do I really want to have a deep, intimate connection with the cashier in the coffee drive-thru? No, because I'm not awake to the world before 9 a.m., and I get coffee way before then. So even if I wanted to, I wouldn't be able to have a meaningful conversation or relationship with anybody. You can see this in all kinds of other areas where we only have relationship because of something else. All these kind of casual interactions are like that. Quite honestly, many of our relationships exist through triangulation, and they are perfectly healthy. Let's say that we see someone we know but don't really desire a relationship with, whether it's through some sort of social setting or it's through somebody's kids knowing each other. We don't have the capacity to have deep, intimate relationships with everyone we meet, and so triangulation can be quite useful and very self-protective. Let's move this over into couple relationships, and we can see how this bicycle analogy can become incredibly useful. I mentioned before, that the kickstand is incredibly obvious in children when parents don't resolve their own issues, when they don't handle their stuff. That kickstand, however, can be pretty much anything, especially when it comes to couple relationships. So let's reimagine this bicycle. We have two people, they have each wheel, and for some reason, one or both, are unable or unwilling to move. That kickstand can exist in things like a job. When two people cannot connect with one another, one goes to work, the other one complains about work. It can also exist in the form of things like social media. When two partners cannot connect, one posts and one complains about the posting. Now, is that necessarily a bad thing? No. We can call out behaviors we don't like. That's perfectly healthy. The problem comes when those types of conversations are the only way, or the vast majority of our conversations are focused around those kickstands. The problem isn't that those kickstands are necessarily present, or we could imagine them being there, or even our desire to argue or be concerned about them. The issue arises when Those kickstands, that triangle, is the only way we know how to connect to someone. This is incredibly obvious in really severe mental health issues or even moderate ones as well. Let's take the casual drinker who drinks a little more than casually. They will follow through on this normalized behavior between the two of them. And instead of talking about feeling distant, The other partner talks about the drinking, but is unable or unwilling to share their deeper concerns or fears. You can see that's where the problem shows up, when we're only able to access the other person through that kickstand. Kickstands don't necessarily have to be literal things. They can also be other people One of my favorite ways to stir up drama in couples therapy is by mentioning very obvious kickstands like in-laws. And that that is really a fun time in therapy, and I very much enjoy that. Not because I like angering people, but because couples therapy is never boring. But this is a great example. Let's imagine, again, that you have a husband and wife that are newly married— And the wife starts complaining that her mother-in-law is too involved. Now, instead of the two of them being able to meet together and come to a common resolution, they argue about the mother-in-law, where the wife complains that she feels that her mother-in-law has too much voice, and the new husband finds himself defending his mother against this woman that he proclaimed his love to. Many people, when faced with a situation, would start to focus on this kickstand. I mean, isn't it incredibly obvious? If the husband just distanced himself from his mother, wouldn't the relationship get better? No. Because it's not about the behavior. It's not necessarily about the kickstand itself. It's the inability or the unwillingness to connect emotionally outside of that kickstand. So let's say that that wife decides, you know what? I'm going to handle this triangulation right now and go talk to my mother-in-law. Well, she's actually just reinforced that triangle. The two of them couldn't connect, so they deferred to something else. See, in her desire to fix the situation, she's actually reinforced the problem in and of itself. Instead, if she feels upset about the situation, she should talk about her own hurts, feeling disqualified, or feeling out of the loop, or undervalued. And she should demand that her husband respond in much the same way, to share his own feelings, his own concerns, and for him to address his mother on his own. Now, I I know that this example may be a little over the top, but I hope you started to understand the problem with triangulation. One of the other ways that is incredibly, incredibly sad and funny to see through media is through a TV show that has since been discontinued or canceled. I'm not quite sure, but if you've ever had the pleasure and displeasure of watching the TV show Cheaters, you will see triangulation in action because something interesting happens in this show. One partner assumes that the other one is cheating on them, hence the title cheaters. And so instead of resolving issues one-on-one, they hire a whole investigative team to try to see what the other person is doing and catch them in the act. And eventually, when they do, most of the time, something rather fascinating happens. It isn't always the case, but it is very often the case that when the partner who called into the show finds that their partner is cheating, they don't attack them. They attack the affair partner, which on the outside of the situation seems kind of ridiculous. The other person may or may not have known that their partner was engaged, married, or in a committed relationship. But instead of being able to back out, most of the time they're the target of the attack. Why why would that be? I mean, if they didn't know, why should they receive any punishment? It's because of triangulation. The entire show hinges on triangulation. That's the whole point. And so you have these people who hire a camera crew and an investigative team reinforcing the triangle, reinforcing the need for a kickstand. And then when they find the kickstand right in front of them, they go straight to blame that. Or at least they go attack it. You know, afterwards, they tend to have it out one way or the other. But there's one thing that's almost universally common, which is where they say, how could you or why would you do this to me? Which initially sounds very vulnerable. But the problem is, they're still triangulating talking about another person. I want to step out of all of these examples because I don't want to spend an entire episode just explaining all of the TV shows that made me laugh and cringe at the same time. But these kinds of ideas are important to be able to step back and look at because they help us understand in a caricature in a way that becomes a little more malleable in our own lives. While we might not have a camera crew. While we might not have a child who is financially invested in pageantry, we do have our own issues with our own partners and family members. How would you know? Think about the types of conversations that you have with the people you care about. What is it that you think about when you're with them, around them, or even just thinking about them with distance between the two of you? Is there a common thread? Are there topics? Are there things? Are there people that you most likely speak about? Now, with my friends in my life, it's not that I call them up every day and say, hey, man, I really care about you and I love you. And no, that's not the case. But if it came down to it and there was a check that needed to happen— it's pretty free-flowing, and appreciation and care for one another is there. But if you find yourself in a relationship where there is strain or contention, what is it that you argue about? Chances are it's not about your real feelings. It's not about your deepest needs or hurts or fears. It's often about something else. And when we engage with someone else within a triangle, chances are We don't engage those same things with the other person. So instead of connecting with people on our deepest levels, whether you consider that emotional, mental, spiritual, however you want to slice it, without those deeper connections, we are unable to truly love and care for those other people. I know that sounds harsh, but let me give you the positive version of this, and you can see exactly what I'm talking about. A healthy bicycle, the way to counteract these triangles, it comes from this secure attachment. If you haven't listened to my previous podcast on attachment theory and attachment styles, it can be helpful to go back and listen through there just so you understand exactly what I'm talking about. But those dyadic relationships, the two people where they don't need a kickstand, exhibit secure attachment styles. They're able to be open and vulnerable and connected. They can discuss hard things, even things that might upset their partner. On the other end, you have those insecure anxious and insecure avoidant types of relationships where instead of connecting in an open way, they utilize triangles to try to force someone into a relationship. Because the world has become so unsteady, Instead of opening up, they make grand gestures. Those that have the insecure, anxious attachment style especially find triangles and place them everywhere. Every friendship is predicated on something that's not a relationship. Even their deeper romantic relationships are focused on these grand ideas, these vastly overblown gestures with one another. What I'm talking about is commonly associated with one of my least favorite movies of all time called The Notebook. Oh, I hope my wife forgives me for talking about this. She hates it when I talk about this. But there is a scene in this movie, if you've had the utter displeasure of watching it, where one of the main characters hangs from a Ferris wheel to pledge his love to this woman or girl. I quite frankly don't remember. I've tried to block it out of my memory. And so instead of openly sharing and having a conversation, God forbid, he has to defer to a grand gesture where instead of feeling vulnerable and connected, their emotions just feel heightened, which is not the same thing. Just because you feel a grand way about someone doesn't mean you've achieved vulnerability. It just means that your heart rate has increased, and without a continual understanding of healthy relationships and secure attachment, people tend to confuse the two. Without an understanding and an experience in dyadic relationships, people assume that heightened emotions means love, and it doesn't. It means intensity. And intensity is not the same thing as love. Promposals, which have been one of the weirdest things for me to see as an adult. Promposals, if you don't know, are the things that, oh, wow, I'm going to show my age here. The things that the kids are doing where you can't just ask someone to prom anymore. It has to be some grand gesture. Da-da-da-da, it's a triangle. Two people don't have the conversation and you need something else to handle or mitigate the relationship or the dynamic. Now, does there need to be some gesture, pomp, or circumstance? Sure. But it has certainly grown in intensity over the years. So we've outlined how this can go astray, and I've given you a little bit of insight on how it turns positive. I'll give you a little bit more of that. In therapy, when I work with couples, not a lot of our interactions have to do with me refereeing. I, quite frankly, don't care who's right and who's wrong. Outside of something like physical aggression or anything within those types of categories related to that, I don't care who's right. I don't care who's wrong. I care about the relationship and the needs that are underlying. And so for the vast majority of time spent in couples therapy – It's more about connecting with one another, starting with the emotions that someone's feeling. And if they don't know the emotions they're feeling, even in the moment of therapy, chances are if they are unaware of the emotions they're feeling in therapy, they are definitely not aware of the emotions they're experiencing in the heat of an argument. And so in therapy, I start to get couples to engage on this emotional level and share where they're coming from. Did the screaming match start because someone was on their last nerve, or they got reminded of a pain from their past? Was it really someone who cut them off that sparked an entire meltdown? Or was it because someone felt abandoned and lost and that their partner didn't support them? You see, this is why these dyads are so important, because over time in couples therapy, people argue less. People cry more. They smile more. They're more engaged and emotionally present. That's the really cool thing about dyadic relationships is when you can get to the bottom of things, you cry together. You laugh together. Here are some cornerstones that are Important, at least from what I've seen in couples therapy. One is an openness to what you are experiencing and what the other person is experiencing. Feelings are valid to a degree, the emotions themselves are valid. How you interpret them can be up for debate. The next thing is vulnerability this is an allowance to be hurt. You can't be vulnerable with someone and also force their hand. That's not vulnerability. That's manipulation. And so if you are unable to sit still and let someone give their honest opinion, you're not in a healthy dyadic relationship. There's a triangle. And there might be good reason for it, but it's a triangle nonetheless. The last cornerstone that I see in couples therapy is a continual discussion of feelings and hurts. Sometimes someone irritates us. Totally get that. But over time, truly healthy and connected dyadic relationships will share if they're hurt. They'll share their feelings if it's necessary or it pops up. And from there, that bicycle doesn't require significant force to keep moving, it requires maintenance. And let's say a hill pops up. The bicycle still has momentum and it might take a little extra effort, but chances are, once you hit that plateau or it goes back downhill, you're back to maintenance again. To kind of close this up for everybody, I'll give you some last thoughts. Triangles are everywhere. Sometimes they're useful sometimes they're not. We can see triangles all around us with our children, with our friends, with our partners. And we need to be careful because we can't break down every triangle or we'll have no emotion left for anyone. But for those that matter, for those that are integral to our understanding of ourselves in the world, we have to take time to slow down and recognize whether We are putting up a kickstand or putting up that part of the triangle that balances us out, whether they are or whether we're even aware of it. If you are, take some time to think of what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what they might be feeling or thinking and be willing to share it. See if things start to change over time as you become more honest with one another. Thank you for joining me today. I hope this information was useful to you. If you feel the need, you can share this podcast with other people, leave something in the tip jar or just consider it for yourself. I hope it was useful to you and can help you navigate your relationships in a more effective way.